0: Good afternoon. This is Rick Brown from the venue. We're here in the studio today with uh, Carl Erickson. Thanks for coming in, Carl.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, man.
0: Great. I've, we, You know, we just finished an incredible concert on the weekend uh, with Carl and the Carl Tones. Uh, we had rave reviews over it, and uh, so I thought we could just sit down and talk a little bit today uh, about you and uh, your experience. I mean, you've been around for a long time. Uh, so uh Tell me a little bit about yourself, like, how you got started out in music. Well,
1: I I, um, come from a musical family. My father was a violinist, and um, so I started on violin, but I was very bad at it. I think he just eventually (laughs) took it and hit me over the head with it or something. And he had a friend that was a clarinetist in an orchestra in a theater that he admired, so he wanted to learn to play the clarinet. And... He was getting on in years. I guess he gave up on it or something, and I got the clarinet, and I was playing it for a while. Then about age 12, my brother took me to see Ray Charles, and quite frankly, i have never been the same since. Mm -hmm. He was a marvelous saxophone player, and of course that was the time when uh, What I Say was a big hit, and and nobody had really heard the Wurlitzer electric piano, so it was very different. I remember at the end of the concert, he said... uh, if you, no, what was it now? When you dream tonight, dream of me, sugar, as long as you're brown sugar.
0: <laughs> Ray Charles.
1: <clears throat> but that, uh, I got interested in uh, saxophones. And uh, my mom and dad rented a saxophone from the high school. I was going to Gladstone High School in Vancouver for five bucks a year. Wow. I used to carry this humongous big tenor saxophone in a big case. I didn't give a, I didn't care about school. I didn't care about nothing. I just wanted to play. So uh, I played all through uh, junior high. And when I got to about grade 10, but I was, I was skipping out of class most of the days. Just not, didn't care about nothing except playing. And I joined the military to be an apprentice bandsman. I was, uh, just a little past 16 years old. And uh, I was getting bounced around Canada as what you call a band boy, which is just a glorified roadie, Mm -hmm. lugging tubas and drum sets, until my course started in HMCS Naden, which was a tri-service school of music. So I bounced around for months. And then I ended up in Naden in Victoria. And I had about four months. But they put me there just to, I don't know, hang around. Anyway. <laughs> I went home on a Christmas leave, just bored. Jesus, I was bored. And uh I I I called my buddy Ernie Lucas and his mother said, "Well, he's in San Diego. Here's the number." I didn't really know what I was calling, but it's it was the big naval base in San Diego. Took a few days to reach him. He finally got back to me. He says, "Well, you should come down here." I says, "I can't. I got three days leave on my Christmas leave here. I can't do that." He says, "Sure you can. You're an apprentice bandsman. Nobody gives a rat's ass about you." <laughs> so I did, and I went across the border with my little, uh, almost bald head and and all that, and Canadian Army uniform, waving my ID, and uh, I don't know what they thought, but. Uh, they gave me what you call ODs to wear, and I was marching around the the Marine band. They just had space for a tenor saxophone player, so I was playing their horn and march. I thought I was really cool, and bingo. I extended my leave okay. by about four days. You've got to be really dumb to do that, or you've gone AWOL. Mm-hmm. So uh, we got marched into this office, me and Ernie. There's a lot more involved in right. documentation and all that stuff they said, well, you know, you're AWOL from the Canadian Army. There's a, a, a Marine major sitting there with a couple of guards. You know, it's pretty,
0: pretty scary. Scary." <laughs> yeah, and they
1: said, well, you know, you're AWOL from the Canadian Army. And there was a couple of MPs that are ready to take me back, and him too, I suppose. I don't know. They said, however, you're going to be sentenced to five years in Val- Val- Valcartier prison in Quebec because you're AWOL. However, you your lucky day here. You're gonna get a choice. Really? Give you an
0: out, eh?
1: (laughs) Yeah, give you an out. The United States Marine Corps will be very happy to take you. However, you'll probably go to the NAM. And so, said what? What's the NAM? What? What's that? I didn't know. And they said, well, they have beer, palm trees, and girls. (laughs) or you can go to prison for five years. Well, it was pretty enticing. That's a no-brainer. And two days later, we were in Paris Island, and they just beat the shit out of us. There was no doubt about it. And then after that, we went to Fort Benning, Georgia. And it was all make-believe and kick your ass and you're King Kong or Jack the Giant Killer or whatever you are. And that first morning, you go to the armor, and they put a m16 on the counter in front of you and that's where your innards turn to water and you realize mm-hmm. I and mean, that's a that's something that's you just you carry that one with you for the rest of your life oh, but yeah. i came back you know a month a year and a half later a little less than a year and a half later and i never talked to anybody about it i just wanted to forget it yeah and i did for many many years and then i don't know what happened i walking down the street and a, a tire backfired or something, or somebody dropped a bottle of perfume out the window and it splattered on the side. I don't know, I can't remember, but I ducked. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, over the years, musically, there's been a lot of fun. I, I did a four-day stint years ago with I a Turner as their baritone saxophone player. Okay. And uh, my friend Ronnie Hensel, uh, um, who lives here in... in in uh in um Creston. We played behind Glenn Campbell for a week. and we played behind the Coasters. We did shows with Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs and, wow. and the Knickerbockers. Do you remember mm-hmm. Knickerbockers? Yeah. I remember the name, yeah. And we got <coughs> Luke, Luke Christie. We we were in the Nocturnals, we were part of the uh um Grooveyard album. That's a collector's yeah. album yeah. All the all the um, jaguar R and B groups and all the groups are on this album. It was a, I think it was a two disc thing. And our picture appears on the history of Vancouver rock and roll. And uh, we were the c Fund Nocturnals.
0: <laughs> Quite the name.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, the radio station was our sponsor or some shit. Okay. And uh, after that, I bummed around and I I played in the six cylinder band. That was kind of that came out of. Uh, a stint it did with the Cement City Cowboys. And we mm-hmm. did that uh, movie called Country Music Nightly that went to the oh, yeah. Can- Canes Film Festival. Canes Film Festival, yeah. Never knew nothing happened. We were just a bunch of drunken assholes playing <laughs> cowboy music with Danny Mac. He's in Australian. On the last I heard, he was imm- immobile. like he's, he's really ill. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's a good writer, good man, Danny Mac. Met a lot of... No, Nice people. Leroy Stevens, bass player. Used to sing this song called Nowhere. And it's just this cymbal thing. (laughs) That's what I like about Nowhere. It's the dumbest song i ever heard in my life. but It's called Nowhere. And there was a stint with Blue Northern for a while. And Wild Root. That was another one that was lots of fun with Ian Berry. Ian eventually came over to six-cylinder band. We did one album. And I played with Muddy Fraser for a while and by the Muddy Fraser's blues band, we did two albums. Then I went out to Calgary, I toured with Elvis, Elvis, Elvis people. Oh Christ, that was awful. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't go up on the stage and play, and I was, I was ripped to the tits. I couldn't <laughs> stand it, man. It was just all these people screaming like they were the real guy, you know? Mm-hmm. The one for the fifties, sixties and seventies. You just drink yourself into obscurity or whatever you call it. It was awful. <laughs> We used to do terrible things to those singers. I'd play the baritone saxophone for a Return to San Vadu Vadoob. But I go vado ba Instead of hitting a low B or whatever it was and I'd hit a C. So Vadoo Badoo doo. And he'd try to sing off of that. <laughs> and then we, I said, what are you talking about? What, what do you mean? I mean, we because you can't hear There's all this screaming shit. Yeah. Boy, it would just, and they didn't care. They were up yelling and screaming at him nonetheless.
0: It's amazing. The audience never notices mistakes. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the Even Ron- if they're intentional.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> then there was the Ronnie King Band out in Calgary for quite a while. That was really fun. And I, I got to know um, Kelly J. from from uh, Crowbar. You remember Crowbar? No. Oh, what a feeling.
0: Oh, okay. I know the song, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. He was a neat guy. <clears throat> Ronnie King, I learned a lot from him. Mm-hmm. He used to get up and he'd sing, I'm just a gigolo. And he'd put a, a shower cap on it, pull it over so it looked like a beret. And he'd sort of sing it in a French accent. It was... You know, get to the part of Hummel, baby and go, well, I'm telling you, a little bit of cheese, little bit of wine. He's <laughs> <laughs> quite hilarious. Quite hilarious guy. <clears throat> I went to Jamaica for a couple of years. Great musicianship there. Crazy people. But Jesus, they can play. They're wonderful players. And then I came up back here to, I'd just been kind of shuffling. I, I really, I really want to try and get something up off the floor. Okay. You know, Will the name Carl and the Carl Tones uh, persist? I, you know, i it was what I came up with at the time. And I've realized I really like to make people laugh. That's really fun for me. And to, and and bring them in close to you and tell them you know, exactly. personal stuff. You know? yeah. Hey, have I got spaghetti on my shirt? What's the matter, huh? <laughs> well,
0: you sure did a good job. Well,
1: it was fun. You we, sure we did, did a
0: good job the other night.
1: That yeah. was fun.
0: With, Here at the with, venue. With people night. really connected with you.
1: Well, you know, the the young kid there, Jeremiah, now that's pretty startling, that boy, you know? I mean, you look at, he stood up with, with Donnie, great respect shown towards Donnie. I mean, Donnie's 58 years older than this kid. Mm-hmm. And he was really enthralled, and they thought, wow, that guy can really play really nice, you know? But the thing that makes it for Jeremiah is he's a nice guy. Oh. Uh, Jeremiah is a is a nice fella. Like, there's nothing... He doesn't come back at you with anything. You know, if you tell him or say, well, right. why do you do this or do that? Oh, yeah, okay. That, that's the young kids of today. But I have to say, the young people of today in my history are a lot smarter than what we were. I mean, they're just smarter. They they got the technology thing down, and, and uh, uh, I know they're all sort of hating us because look at the world we're leaving for them. It's not much, man. We sure polluted the hell out of it. And now their technology, I feel they, they want to clean this shit up. I mean, the rich and the famous, yeah, right.
0: Mr. Gotti,
1: <laughs> you got yours. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. man.
0: That's, well, uh, hopefully we can leave them something better than what it looks like right now. I mean, uh, they deserve something better than what, what we've messed it up to be. Yeah,
1: that's for sure. They, well, I mean, this venue here is so needed. This is really needed here in Creston because there's nothing. I and mean, there's a bowling alley. Uh, Jerem, Jeremiah's mother is going to have a restaurant that's going to have music in it. Yep. And I'm going to look at Casey, see what happens there. I just don't want to play for boozers, you know, where I have to play Shake Your Ass at 120 knots per minute. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to do that.
0: Well, that's why we started the venue. So people like yourself and yeah. uh, Jeremiah and other great artists, have a place where they can play and can actually connect with people yeah so that's great so you anyway, listen we're going to take a short break and we'll be back uh thank you for listening to our first segment and uh we'll be back very shortly with Carl Erickson at the venue are you looking for something to do with your family or friends but your limited budget is keeping you at home Check out the Venue website at www.TheVenueCreston.com for upcoming events. Consider our movie night held every two weeks. There is no charge to attend. All you require is a society membership. Learn more on our website. Select the membership tab on the menu and we'll see you at the movies. Okay, we're back in the studio. I'm Rick Brown. We're here at the Venue in uh, creston bc and we have in the studio with us carl erickson so carl uh we just finished talking a little bit about your background but uh, i want to know a bit more about what you're up to now and what kind of things you're thinking of doing
1: well i'm up to five eight (laughs) (laughs) if i'm lucky (laughs) well let me see now i i think i'm having a Oh, a resurgence of youth or something? Or maybe it's because I'm single. <laughs> I always tell the the people who are starting out, I, the one message I have, which is true, and it's, it's indisputable. There's no way around it. It's really a young person or a single person's game. Always has been. And if you've got family, very difficult. Because what do you do? You're gone for two weeks, and the wife is left there to feed... Do do all the chores and all that it's all by yourself Well, you're out and you're a musician? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very difficult life. On the road exactly. Oh, terrible. Oh, you can't imagine I mean, lugging all that equipment. Why, it's so ex- extraordinarily difficult on your person. I mean going to bed, at, and those parties you're forced into. <laughs> <My God. laughs> but it is, see, it's, it's, it's a single, if, if you're married, then you, you walk guilty all day, you yeah, know, yeah. it doesn't work. Either she's there with you, or... or
0: and that's easy. hard, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the way it is. These days now, I've been looking at it. It's a very peaceable place to live, Creston. It's very nice here. I live in a, a senior's building, and I can play music. I can have friends over. But I wanna, I wanna play once a month would be just dandy, mm-hmm. you know. Make a little extra money, but it's about the the fun I have with with people, and Carl and the Carl tones. Well, the Carl tones can be anybody, it exactly. Depends who I'm I'm working with at the time. I like Jeremiah. Donnie's leaving, and that leaves a a kind of an empty hole. But I I I got my eye and thoughts on somebody that I want to talk to. And the rhythm section, well, I don't know. They come, they go, you know? Uh, I know uh, Jordan Lysenko is, is a drummer and works with... with uh, if I could get that kid's name right. I mean, can you imagine being in a band with Jordan and Jeremiah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have trouble Well, you're doing good that. now. You're getting <laughs> Jeremiah right all yeah, the time. I'm getting Jeremiah <laughs> right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just see how the future goes. In a creative band, I kind of like playing bass myself. Okay. I kind of do, you know. It's a, I, I just see how it all rolls well,
0: It's fun to be able to cover off three or four different positions in the band. and
1: uh, Mind you, when he plays that
0: stand-up bureau thing,
1: in that closet with strings on it, it's kind of nice. It's,
0: it, it's, it really added a nursey tone to the, the yeah. music. Yeah, it does. It always sounds better than the than the electric bees.
1: Well, it, it it really depends on that. I mean, it's really nice for for a lot of things. I want. I'm hoping in the future to do a lot more of those songs like Bloodshot Eyes. You know. Oh yeah. That that'd be awesome. Jumping and jiving kind of stuff. And I want to do stuff like Pick Up the Pieces by the Average White Band. Stuff like that, you know.
0: Well, we're looking at putting in a dance floor up at the front here, so.
1: God help us all
0: <laughs>
1: what I guess you could get up if you stuffed in the right about a hundred folks in here, couldn't you?
0: I think we probably could, yeah, if they're really friendly. Well,
1: I tell you what if I win the lotto, I'll give you enough to knock out that wall and put more space on <laughs> okay,
0: okay? I'll right? hold you to that. All right. <laughs> you heard it here on the podcast.
1: <laughs> the only trick is winning the lotto that's that's the tough, tough part.
0: Oh, so I shouldn't count on it then. <laughs> well,
1: I, you know, I got a ticket on my wall. <clears throat> oh, yeah. I don't want to check it out because I can't handle losing. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I'll check it out before a year goes by or you might lose for sure. So uh, i got another question for you. Uh, you know, you're looking at right now the Carlton was kind of a band you just threw together. As a matter of fact, Friday night was almost the first time you
1: yeah, played together really.
0: as a group. Yeah, and it was really tight, and it was. I mean, people thought you guys had been together for quite a while. We fooled them. <laughs> you you absolutely fooled them. But uh, so I mean, really, um, you get a, a lot of good quality musicians together; they can pretty much follow along and play with each other. And uh...
1: yeah, it, it's a matter of taking the tedious job of writing stuff out. Right. I I don't want any paper in front of me or a stand or nothing. I never work that way because. It's like this via. You've got your face in there, and then the audience is over there. Right, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I know Donnie doesn't like doing that either. Like for, for Hal, the bass guy, yeah, that's kind of a necessity.
0: But then he's off in the back a bit, so it's yeah, not so much. He's pretty important
1: nonetheless.
0: Right. I but I mean, he's he's not so much having to look at the audience as much as the two front guys are.
1: He thinks he looks like Brad Pitt. I'm certain of it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he doesn't want anything
0: hiding his face. Then no,
1: he's kind of a hoot. Yeah. But I'm certain that guy's going to be late for his own funeral. <laughs> he's he's late all the time. He just well, he lives up in Nelson, so we'll yeah. Let's see how it rolls down the hill yeah. as time goes along. So
0: you're probably looking to put together a few different uh, artists. Uh, well, mostly over the time it, and stuff.
1: What I want to do is I want to get people that are free and that are willing to rehearse and put exactly. something good together. I mean, you can have this. To me, that was maybe 30% of what I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. I just wanted it to be snappy, tight, and everybody's on the same page, and we know what we're doing, and everybody knows the changes. Mm-hmm. My criteria, my thing, uh, my ruling, if you're going to play music with me, learn the tunes and be on time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And don't get so messed up you can't see the wall in front of you you're falling
0: into it. Exactly.
1: But... but most of the guys I know aren't like that. It's it's hard to find people that are past, I know A and I, I'm working on D, as yeah. the chords go. It's nice to be able to play with guys who can read a little bit. I mean, I'm not much of a reader myself. I mean, I, I just write the words out and put the chord symbols for, for right. the guys and stuff. Because um, as a guitar guy... I try to play all these alternative chords. If he's playing a G, I'll play an E minor because it mm-hmm. just broadens the sound. Exactly, maybe Gives it
0: more depth. Then.
1: Yeah, and I got guitar is such a personal instrument. There's certain ways you got to do it to get those kind of sounds. But exactly, I'm a horn player, so I'm approaching it like a, a saxophone player. Okay, and I, will I ever learn how to? tolerate crunch guitar i don't think so <laughs> <laughs> every time i try that the lighting thing starts feeding back that's why I'm,
0: uh, well everybody has their own style yeah that's and that's it. important right
1: it yeah, is so. yeah, yeah yeah
0: so okay well we're going to take another short break here and uh thanks for listening to this segment we'll be back shortly with uh carl erickson Do you have an upcoming outdoor event, such as a wedding, party, or concert? Consider protecting your guests and equipment from the sun or rain with one or more 20 by 20 waterproof tents from Rent-A-Tent Creston. Go to our website at www.thevenuecreston.com tents for information on pricing. Bookings for next summer are already underway. Contact us now to ensure you are covered for your event. Okay, we're back in the studio. I'm Rick Brown. I've got Carl Erickson with me. We've been talking about his life and his music and what he's been doing and uh, where he got into music and what he's doing now. We're just going to talk a little bit about the future. Uh, so, Carl, you've been all over the world with with your instruments and, uh, or most of the world, I should say, and uh, now you're back back here in uh, Creston. So what? What are your future plans?
1: You know, um, all all of that stuff that I did, wherever I was, it it leads to this one place. Now, and I can tell you, at age seventy four, it allows me to express myself without feeling uh, shyness or anything else about it. Um, yeah. I think that's what I'm looking for is that, that expression where I can do that. But it's a long road. It's a hell of a long road. Because everything I did in my life, all the booze and dope and all the stuff, it all brings you to this one place. When it comes down to this. Cut the gig or get off the stage. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to do original material, you can't be a wimp about it. Excuse me. You've got to step out. And I found also that as far as the people I'm working with, well, uh, somebody told me, you know, you're never satisfied. If I was, then there's no point in doing this. The art is you're always looking for something. And I, I guess in some ways I would set the bar high. For the people, I've never considered myself in the heavyweight division of saxophone players. I never was, mm-hmm. you know. I was uh, playing in people <clears throat> in their their sections or sitting in with people, and I sounded like a saxophone player, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it worked for me, but there was just dozens and dozens. I mean, hundreds, I suppose, of half-ass gigs, just doing t- just awful stuff, playing with a guy in a restaurant where I had to wear a white jacket and a. A red cummerbund kind of tie, and you know, playing songs like um, well, cherry pink or, or perfidia or uh, uh, desafinado or whatever. Oh God, I couldn't stand that stuff. And playing for dinner music, you couldn't pay me enough to pay for dinner music because they're not there to hear me; they're there to enjoy their casserole or whatever they're into. You know. That's right. Oh, God, it was awful. Playing gigs and the proprietor would be throwing chunks of ice at me because the drummer's (laughs) beating the hell out of everything. he just come from playing at the Moral on Hastings Street. And here we are, we're playing at uh, uh, Santo's on Commercial Drive, beautiful little Greek-Italian restaurant. God almighty. (laughs) But they all come down to this thing. The thing is, is that it takes all that life experience to bring it to the point you want to express it now. So I'm going to play the saxophone, you know, on stuff I like to do and uh, sing songs I like to do and play the guitar the way I want and talk and have people, when they go away from the restaurant, they want to be full. So when they leave after, you know, come to a gig of mine, I want them to go home and feel, man, that was worth whatever. That was fun. That guy was really a hoot, you know. And that song he played, it reminded remember when we used to smooch on that one? Uh, a couple of summers ago in Kelowna, I was doing some recording stuff, and the drummer was uh, Kim Burley from the Stampeders. Okay. And we were sitting there uh, just kicking back, and I said to him, how in the hell can you get up every night and play those songs exactly like that? And he says, it, on the one hand, it's not easy, but on the other hand, you have to look at it. That we are bringing something to them that they grew up with, so every like at that concert there, he gets up and I hear him do, da 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 da, you know the intro for Oh My Lady, mm-hmm. da 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 da, and everybody starts clapping like hell. Kim's just this little tiny fella, you know, and, uh, singing songs like that, and oh. I yeah.
0: was listening to uh, Mark, um, an interview with Mark Knopfler, and he said. Songs in people's lives are milestones. Yeah. And he said, as musicians, we have the responsibility to be true to those milestones.
1: This is exactly right. Exactly right. I Ronnie King is a real close friend. And I used to say to him all the time, how do you do that? I, every night. and Of course, he's a wise-ass. And he looked at me and says, I'm famous. I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> that was always his thing. He's just... This Dutch guy, just this buffoon, big huge Dutch fella. Ah, Yeah, Ronnie. His health is not good these days. So but he's a he's a wonderful man. He's got more more jokes. The shit he would pull on you, you know. The club owner would say to him, Oh, hello. Uh Ronnie said, Ronnie King, famous.
0: (laughs) 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 You might have to adopt that. No,
1: no, I'm not I, I'm not quite that brash. As almost well. famous.
0: Yeah, no. I just...
1: But those characters <clears throat> I knew like uh Kenny Walrod years and years ago. He had, he was a comedian he called himself a strawberry shortcake and uh strawberry longcake, I I can't remember. But if he was sitting with people he didn't like very much, he'd excuse himself, go to the washroom, he'd come back and he'd say Every time I use that urinal, i just get it all over my head <laughs> do that. It's just, oh, terrible. I almost get punched in the face. And there was all those gigs down the east end of Vancouver, but that's where I learned how to play, mm-hmm. at Izzy's. I was there for a year and a half, standing behind that curtain. I mean, you could go there and play in your underwear. Nobody noticed. Hammond organ, saxophone, guitar, and drums.
0: Oh, it was but, all behind a curtain.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the girls would come down. And the down girls were out in the front. Yeah, we did five or six shows a night. Each mm-hmm. one was long hours, but it was the days of playing Santana's Black Black Magic Black woman. Magic Woman, yeah. yeah. And the, the, we'd have a, a, every second Sunday, we had to have a rehearsal with the girls, and they bring in some great, big, long sheet of music. Heard this yesterday, the Sabre Dance, and they'd have like a third viola part. Oh, okay. we're, we're supposed to figure this out, you know? And we'd say, we got one just perfect for you. Oh, yeah, what's that? we'd start playing something like every day I' got the blues. Mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's great okay
0: <laughs> forget the forget yeah. the sheet music, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> never
1: made much money doing <clears throat> any of this the The four years I worked with Ronnie at Dickens pub, I was getting five hundred a week, really? and back then that was pretty good money. You mm-hmm. know? bought a car. Smashed it up somewhere along the way. Bought a horn. Guy bought it off me for cheap money because I was a drunk. Just mm. brand dead now.
0: So I guess you've paid your dues, eh? I,
1: yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mm-hmm. guess so. But everybody pays dues Every, yeah. until the day you die. You know? Exactly. All I ever say is when I croak, don't. Bury me with a horn, give it to somebody, and I want my gravestone to say I'd rather be here than in Surrey.
0: <laughs> well, that's, that's probably good advice, I guess, eh? Oh, man. I lived in
1: Surrey for uh, going on two years. Oh, God, I hated it there. Yeah, I worked in the Vancouver area, and I was living in Surrey. And finally I said to the commissioner, I said, for Christ's sake, can't you get me something? So they put me in the passport office in Surrey. Security in a passport office. Are you kidding?
0: Exciting. Yeah.
1: It was so boring and so awful. Every morning I'd have to park my car about four blocks away because of the parking facilities. And I remember I'd walk by this bush, and I'm in the full security officer's thing, high-vice jacket and all that. And this voice would say, There goes Sergeant Preston. (laughs) a guy living in the bush. Oh, yeah. Surrey's a terrible place as far as I'm concerned. That's my opinion.
0: You know, I've never been there, but I think I might avoid it now.
1: Well, when you go across that Batilla Bridge, coming in from the Vancouver side, and you're you're heading east across that bridge, man. It's awful. Hmm. People living under the bridge and... Really, then the, the girls at the side of the road—they're all scabbed up and trying to make money. It's
0: terrible, terrible.
1: And then yeah. up the highway, King George Highway, you got the filthy rich.
0: Exactly. <laughs> ah, terrible. Well, you've seen—you've <coughs> you, seen a lot of things in your life. But let's, just before we close out, a lot of young people are going to be listening to
1: this—that
0: mm. are musicians—and if you could give them a word of advice about playing and being a musician and looking for their future, what would you tell them? Learn your trade. Learn and understand what chord progressions are.
1: Because everything's made up of chord progressions. Learn your scales. Learn how to play. There is no easy way around it. The technology is there and makes it easier. You can look up anything rather than go out and buy a book. But if you want to be a a professional musician, if that's what you want to do, learn your skills. That's all there is to it. And there is no easy way around it. just... Work your ass off.
0: There's no magic uh, YouTube video to learn how to be an incredible guitar player in five minutes. It's
1: all there. there. It's all there, you know, but there is no shortcuts. No. I mean, if you go to a gig and somebody says, Well, we're going to play boiled beef and carrots and you don't know it, and the guy looks at it and says, No worries, Matt, it's 251. What do you do? It's 251. Well, if you know that stuff, you know it. How many yeah. t- songs are made out of a two, five, one? Oh, probably hundreds, and hundreds. Four strong winds, four strong, two, da-da-da, five, back to one. Yeah, I mean. Exactly. It's, it's all there, so that's what it's all You need
0: about. to know your chord progressions and the chord names and the numbers. And
1: yeah. yeah. Read, it's, it, it's basic
0: read, stuff, isn't
1: it? Yeah, well, reading notes, I mean, that, that's not... Always necessary in this no. style of free form kind of music. You know?
0: Exactly.
1: Learn your progressions. When you're listening to music, you check out what is that he's playing? Is it a 1 4 5? A 1 6 2 5? A 2 5 1? Uh, 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 uh. Most cowboy music is a 1 to the 5 chord, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But boy, what they can do with that stuff.
0: If you know your craft, it if sounds craft. awesome. So
1: Can't well, make an apple pie without apples in a cross, man. <laughs> that's exactly
0: it. <laughs> Well, there you have some great words of advice from someone who's been around for a long time and knows what he's talking about. Thank you so much, Carl, for coming into the studio today. I appreciate you spending about an hour of your time with us.
1: Thank you indeed. And
0: Incredible. I really appreciate uh, the concert you put on here at the venue the other night. Um, we had nothing but incredibly great comments about it. People enjoyed it. And you know what? They all basically said when they left, they felt full. So you, you gave them what they wanted, and we appreciate it. So. I
1: should have stood out the door, at the door. They're handing out Tums. To say they're there.
0: <laughs> Just in case, uh, in case they're having some gastrointestinal problems, yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for coming into the studio. This is Rick Brown from The Venue. We're going to be closing out here now. We thank you for taking the time to listen, and we invite you to come down to The Venue anytime you'd like to listen to some more incredible music. Check us out on our website at www.thevenuecreston.com. And we'll see you again shortly.